someone may be able to do a 300-pound hand clean, but they can't do 10 pull-ups. Well, well, who's stronger in that? You know what I mean? So strength is really relative. So while we're going through the ranges of motion, you're developing strength in those ranges of motion. So what that means to me is like if I go for an arm tackle and I have strength here and my arm way back here from doing a certain move, like an animal flow move, well, now I'm actually stronger back here. I may not be able to bench as much weight, but I'm still super strong back here, which means I don't dislocate my shoulder, which means I continue to play. I don't have to have my shoulder pop out or my elbow, you know, dislocation or whatever. So by strengthening up those different ranges of motion, you're actually building greater strength or greater range of strength. Um, if you're just talking about bench press and, and, and squats, it may not help those numbers go up. It could, depending on how you load the body up. But it, again, strength is just rel a relative thing. What's up, guys? This is Chris Flo, athletic trainer and personal trainer, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete's story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Head and Tails podcast. Today I'm excited to have Chris Flo, who I actually met a couple years ago at an athletic training conference. And uh, we recently reconnected after seeing a, a Jordan Reed Instagram video where he was doing some uh, animal flow moves on the sideline, causing a lot of stir amongst the, the viewers of that post and mm -hmm. some positive comments, some not so positive comments. But I commented on it because, to me, he was probably just like trying to get his body right to get on the field, mm -hmm. and that was his way of doing it, and he didn't care how it looked or what, what he looked like and what other people were thinking of him. He just kind of went for it. So Chris is an athletic trainer. He's the founder of Flow Fitness. He's also the creator of the Rooted Rehab Certification for Athletic Trainers, and he is an Animal Flow Master Instructor. So Animal Flow is what Jordan Reed was doing, um, and Chris, so... Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, and, man. Uh, Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so you want to start off by kind of talking about, you know, what is Animal Flow? Because I had no idea that it was even a thing until I saw this Instagram post. Right. So um, Animal Flow is basically the six components to Animal Flow. Um, we go over, like, wrist mobilizations. There's the actual animal portion of it where you're doing crawling patterns to kind of look like an animal. Um, there's form-specific stretches where you're going from different forms and actually just doing movement patterns and stretches. There's switches and transitions where you're going from one. That's kind of what you guys saw is like an under switch to a reach. Um, and then there's actual flows where you're taking all these different moves and you're putting them together almost in, in sequence like a dance. Uh, one of the things with Animal Flow, and, and I always want to clear this up, uh, the creator was Mike Fitch uh, who created Animal Flow. And one of the things we always talk about with Animal Flow is they did, we didn't create movement. You know, we didn't create this stuff. It's taken from all these different disciplines, from breakdancing, from gymnastics, from parkour. All this stuff kind of melted together in a pot. And what Mike did was take it and put it into a system, which makes it easier for people to kind of digest, especially for personal trainers to teach their clients. It makes it way easier to do this stuff, you know, if it's in the system versus if it's just making up moves as you go along. Like, because dancing's great and you can teach dancing, but it's kind of hard if you don't have the beat, if you don't have all this other stuff. So Animal Flow takes everything and puts it into one system. I think people also get, like, intimidated by dancing and stuff right. like that. So you had to package it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. So the flow part, 
does it have anything to do with like a flow in like yoga? It it the flow part is um, I don't know if you ever read the the book Flow by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. I never and he have. talks. It's a beautiful book, and he talks about finding that flow state. So the flow is that easy transition from one move to the next in in this whole seamless movement. And really, it's the animal flow program is all movement based. So if someone goes from what they call an under switch, and you saw like a crab reach. To get into that motion, there's so much going on with the body. You know, you have to and worry. And we'll post that video on yeah. the, in the show notes so you guys can. Yes, yeah, so you can it you see that move. About. Yeah. And you can see when someone is good at it and, and their body moves effortlessly, and you can see when someone's kind of choppy. And especially when it comes to athletes, like just being able to lift your heel and then rotate on the ball, your foot, and then drop the heel to stop the rotation, and then drive through the hamstrings and glutes to be able to get into that bridge position. So you're using that whole posterior chain. Then the arm that's down the ground to, to be able to corkscrew the arm on the ground and stabilize the shoulder joint, extend through the spine and rotate and twist, like so much going on. And that's what creates that flow. You know what I mean? So the, all the movements combine and it looks, again, it looks effortless when you do it right. And if you think about martial arts, like those flows that they do in martial arts, you see them put all these moves together. It's like, wow, that looks great. But it's so healthy for them at the same time. And can you kind of go over like what the founding principles of animal flow are? Yeah, so there are six components. So, again, wrist mobilizations form specific stretches. There's uh, the actual traveling, the locomotion forms. There's switches and transitions. There's then the actual flows. Um, so the founding principles, again, it's all based on actual human movement. So you're taking all these movements that animals do, and you're trying to improve the human and the way humans move. Um, some of the things that, that they talk a lot about, it's a movement program, but it's very much rooted in science. So we talk a lot about proprioception, like where your body is in space. So with some of the moves, you might get into like an inverted position, like almost quasi. Think of like a tuck balance or like a handstand, right? So as soon as people get up there, their brain's like, what are you doing? Like some of starts, their brain starts freaking out. So you're getting into these weird positions. Um, they also talk a lot about closed kinetic chain. So if you think about if we just took athletes and injuries, ACL injuries, for example, when an athlete goes to stop short, their heel drives into the ground, so it's what they call a closed kinetic chain, and then they try and rotate on that foot, and obviously the foot's not going to go nowhere, and if you have tight ankles and tight hip, chances are that knee's going to take the brunt of the force, and that's when you wind up with your ACL injuries. Whereas if an athlete would learn to plant and then lift that heel right away to begin that rotation, to actually, so the whole leg can now rotate, you have followed that whole like spiral fascial sling up the leg, they're able to rotate the hip properly. It's like, wow, that was so much easier to move that way. So it teaches these different components while making it look like you're just kind of, I don't want to say having fun, but you're having a good time and you're just flowing, but you're actually teaching your body these motor patterns that you don't normally use, especially for athletes. I mean, some of these kids have been playing since they were 11 and they've been hitting the same movement patterns and they haven't trained their body in other movement patterns. So it's given them that variety of movement. So animal flow is almost a way to kind of expose a weakness that an athlete might exactly. be presenting. And exactly. they might not even know it. But put in this form, it's like very obvious. Uh, 100%, yeah. And then you're training the brain because the, the more movement, it's almost like you think about like with food. The more nutritious your diet, the better off you're going to be. The, the leaner your body's going to look, the cleaner it is. The more movement patterns you have accessible to you, your body now is like, oh, I can do this. Oh, I can do this too. I can do that. So when you get hit or you're stumbling or whatever, your body knows that 
hey, I could put my hand on the ground, and I know when I put my hand on the ground, the corkscrew my shoulder because I learned that from doing the animal flow move. So when I fall, it's not this awkward like, oh, I hurt myself. It's like, oh, I know how to do this and then transition and take that energy and redirect it or roll it into something That's else. That's a really interesting point because it's almost like I'm thinking like stunt devil. Like right, you yeah. see a stunt devil like jump off a, like a, I don't know, a, a roof or something mm-hmm. and they just kind of like tuck and roll and like they jump up and they're just like start running exactly you know, like, like, and that's where the parkour co- uh, component comes in because it's like you're taking energy and instead of boom like a stopping that force you're taking the energy and, and transitioning to something else and it looks amazing when they can do it but if you ever try to jump off a building and you don't know how to land and roll then you're probably gonna right. wind up hurting something and plus i'm thinking like football too like it comes up a lot in the injury prevention world is like athletes just don't know how to fall yes. like they don't know the mechanics of falling that's not something that you ever usually practice not falling exactly you, you like, don't want to get tackled yeah <laughs> but you don't actually you know i mean chances are you're gonna get tackled on most plays so why not practice yeah. the actual falling well, that's what you think of, of the component of like the martial arts right martial arts you they that's one of the first thing they teach is how to fall so if someone throws you, you actually know how to absorb the ground and, and fall. You can get into that fall. In football, they re- rarely teach you the proper way to fall. You know? right. So it's like, hey, let's work on if you got close to the ground, would your body be comfortable in that, in that space? And so I think that's why it's a good, a good way for athletes to train is using these movement patterns. Yeah, it's super interesting. So in doing some of my research on animal flow, I read about the ABCs of animal flow. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that just to kind of paint a picture of like – for the audience just to see like what this looks like. Yeah, so the ABCs. What it can look like. Right, so the ABCs is A, Beast, and Crab. And that's the, again, like if you think about foundation of movement of ABCs. So in the ape position, it's basically our deep squat. We call it a deep ape position because you're using, you know, the mind, the imagery of it. All right, we're going to be in this deep squat position, just kind of hanging out and, and doing ape. And it's one of our transitions. So we, you might come back into a deep ape position or to have an ape reach, which is one of our stretches. Or someone's in that deep ape and they're rolling their spine forward and they're going to come up and extend their chest and kind of open up. And you think about beating your chest like an ape. Um, the beast position is one of the craziest positions because it's so simple. You're basically in a quadruped position. But there's so much, again, when you dive into science, there's so much that goes into it. But what separates our like beast travels from people's bear crawl is that we're keeping the knees an inch off the ground. So when you're doing your beast, you should almost look like you're floating on the ground. So your knees stay an inch off the ground. We talk about uh, contralateral movement, so lifting opposite hand, opposite foot, and limbs have to lift and land lightly, and they have to lift and land same time. So one of the big things about animal flow is there's no speed without control. So you have to learn to control your movement patterns. So you'll see athletes who can deadlift 400 pounds, you get them down in the beast position, their body's shaking like crazy because they're not used to being in that, in that position. Now, in science sense, there's so much information going from the hands to the shoulders to the core or the, the, through the spine, to the hips, to the knees, to the ankle, just being in that position. So there's a lot of stuff you can do from there. Um, and I'll show you some stuff later in, in that beast position. And then the last position is the crab position. You think about it, we're like in a flexion chain all the time. So I always say to people, like I'm trying to extend in the world full of flexion because everyone's stuck in this flexion position. So that crab position gets you using that whole posterior chain so by having your hands down, you're in that external rotation. You're opening up that whole shoulder girdle because most people, again, texting and sitting in a chair all day. Yeah, slump shoulders, exactly forward, that, yeah, exactly. sitting at a desk. So that crab position is the 
perfect marriage of doing the opposite of what people do all day. So it gets the hamstrings, the glutes to work a little bit more. And then we have what we call a crab reach, which we're going to reach up. In the, and that's what you saw is that crab With reach Jordan position. Reed. Exactly. Yeah. So those are basically the ABCs. So those are our foundational positions. And then everything stems from those. So from that position, you'll start teaching under switches, which will go from beast to crab and crab to beast. When you get to level two, you go from a deep A, but it's a reaching under switch and there's other moves you can plug in, but you know you're always going to come back to one of those three positions. Okay. So the ape is the deep squat. The beast is like when you're in a position of like a bear or like a lion. Right, or right, exactly. Like a, yeah, that kind of beast. And then crab, it's just that you're like firing your backside up. like you're Yeah, so it's belly up and you're, you're in that like almost a, like yeah, a, crab an walk. M position exactly for like a crab walk. Cool. So we kind of said that it's like kind of like an all-encompassing animal flow is like all-encompassing from different disciplines. Uh, so who who is this program like designed for? Could it be for anyone or? Yes, it, it could be for any and everybody because again, it's movement-based. So you can regress and progress any anyone in the moves. And the the irony of it is you might take someone because a lot of people don't work on crawling patterns. Like you don't see how many people crawling around the gym. Like you'll see guys every once in a while doing like bear crawls with their butt height up in the air. Um, but you'll take someone who can maybe bench again or hang clean a ton of weight and get them on the ground and get them doing these these foundational patterns. And you'll be surprised at how difficult it is for them. After I've destroyed myself during <laughs> CrossFit, I started doing more and more of not knowingly like more animal flow type movements right and it is amazing like how much of just a bear crawl will like if you're doing it the right way right will like light you up oh of course like your core your quads your shoulders like everything's yeah firing on all cylinders and and that's one of the things we talk about because your your central nervous system determines everything that's what's going to give you all your strength power and everything is if your cns says hey i know this movement i can do this stuff now i can add power to it i can add strength so if if you're going to train the brain and training that movement stuff, something like animal flow can help someone who may have Parkinson's or something like that. Like we can get them on the ground and learning how to, you know, build them back up. And someone who's a, a, a high level athlete, they may have not done these moves in so long. Bring them back down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that whole regress to progress. Well, yeah. Let's get you, let's break down these basic patterns and then we can build you back up to where you were. I mean, I'm a huge proponent of that, of like the bigger the foundation, the higher your peak can be Yeah. kind of oh, deal, 100%. like in a, in a pyramid sense. And it's so hard for athletes to like check their ego and just like take it down a notch and try to get better at something that they're not good at. And that's something that I know me personally, (laughs) I've suffered from that same thing, like knee injuries, obviously my head, uh, stuff like that. If you experienced different things, like what led you to animal flow? Um, It's actually a a weird story because I had a friend of mine who from Puerto Rico who wanted to, was going to take this cert and they came to Jersey because that's where it was. I'm like, hey, I'm taking this cert. I'm like, all right, cool. Let me look it up online. I looked it up. I was like, this looks so easy. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to crush this. You know, at that point, I was lifting heavy weights, and I had some shoulder issues. I was having some, like, lower back pain from deadlifts and stuff, and I'm like, all right, I can try this thing. It'll be so super simple. And I took the course, and, like, that beast position, I first got in, and I volunteered. I'm like, yeah, I'll get up and do it. I'll crush this. This guy can't, you know, whatever. And... I was dying. Like I was in 30 seconds and my body's shaking and everything. I'm like, what the hell's going on? This can't be, you know. 
So then I started doing it, and, and as I started doing it, it's weird because the more you do something, you start really fully understanding it Like as years go on. you know, It's like the whole road to mastery. But as I was doing, I started realizing like my brain was getting clearer. It's weird. Like I started getting more creative and everything else, and then my body started moving better, and the pain went away. I felt better. I felt like I was able to move. Just simple things like getting up from a chair felt like, whoa, I felt like – I'm like Damn, flowing. Those are fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm flowing now, everything I do. So, um, and then I just fell in love with it and I just kept diving down that rabbit hole, wanting to learn more and more and more about it um, and how to become. And then uh, one day Mike called me up, who's the creator of it. I was like, dude, we're looking for master instructors. We heard your name throughout the industry. Do you want to be part of the team? I was like, yeah, sounds good. And then before you know, I'm in Costa Rica hanging out at the master instructor retreat. And at that point, I think those six master instructors, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, your picture's on the website, right? Yeah, man. That was, and then and then from there, we went. Now they're at like, you know, 15. They're all over the globe. You know, they're everywhere in the world now. And it, it grew really fast. And, and it's been a beautiful journey ever since. Yeah, because you, you, uh, like, you were in the fitness world before that. Yeah. As yeah. a trainer, right? Yeah, I've been doing personal training since I was 14. So oh, wow. it's been a long, it's been a long time long doing journey. training. Cool. I used to have, um, I'm sure you probably can relate to this, Men's Health and Muscle Fitness magazines, cutting pictures out and following oh, yeah. their routines. I want Arnold's arms. And I was in deep into that stuff, man. And, and I kind of went this direction now. I feel like at least people from our age would always start there. Everyone yeah. started <laughs> with like the bodybuilding, Gold's yeah. Gym. That's all we had. And That's all we had. We've digressed to other, mm-hmm. other things. Um, so we kind of talked about elite athletes kind of having to like check themselves and, you know, regress to mm-hmm. progress, like yep. you said. Uh, but what kind of results can, you know, athletes see from doing animal flow? Because like, I know if I, knowing nothing about animal flow, mm-hmm. saying if someone's recommending me to do it as a elite level athlete, I'd be like, well, no, cause I'm going to lose my strength. I'm going to lose my size. I'm going to lose my endurance. I'm going to lose all this. Right. Like, so why should I, yeah. Do it. Like w- what benefits does it still provide? I think especially for like we're talking about something like football, just learning to how to man- uh, maneuver or manipulate your body within space. That increase in proprioception is huge for them because let's say I'm a running back hitting the pocket. I got to be able to shift my hips to the side. I got to be able to plant. I got to be able to read what's coming at me and know that my body has the ability to move whichever way I want it. So with animal flow, since we're getting them on the ground, we're getting them rolling, we're getting them kind of spinning. We have this move called full scorpion where you're extending your hips all the way through and doing this full circle and you're finding that rhythm. You start to learn how to get your body in that flow state early on. And I'm sure you've had games where you're like, I don't know, for some reason, like, I don't know if you remember Michael Jordan when he played at one game, he looked at the camera like, I don't know, I'm not missing today. Like, I'm not going to miss a shot, right? Your mind gets in that flow state, and there's a way to hack the mind to get there faster. And by doing these movements, you learn how to almost, like, zen out and get into that space. But also for an athlete, if I'm a receiver and I got to jump up and catch a ball, well, I got to know my shoulder can get in that crazy range of motion and feel comfortable, like that old catch. You know what I mean? Like, he has to know that his arm's comfortable in that position. Where in the weight room do you do that position normally? Like, you don't do that stuff. You learn to hang out with Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be able to do that, right? But in animal flow, there's, like, hand balancing stuff that's getting your hand up and being able to draw your belly in at that same time to lock all that in. So just having that entire body communication and awareness can help them with their movements. And they don't have to stop lifting to do animal flow. And that's, like, an important thing they have to understand. Like, it can be just part of your warm-up. Or it can be between sets. Let's say you're doing deadlift. You can do a deadlift. 
get down on the ground, do a couple crab positions or crab reaches, extend your hips, and then get right back to the deadlift. And you feel almost more communication within your central nervous system and motor control. So it's like, oh, great, this feels amazing. It doesn't have to mean one or the other. It can be part of what you're already doing. And that's what I loved about it. Okay, cool. So how can athletes benefit like with improved mobility and flexibility? Um, is animal flow something that that could help with also? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Especially some of those guys and, um, just from working with some of the college athletes that I work with and high school athletes. Um, one thing that I notice a lot is like hip pain or back pain and they're just like always oh, in constant pain and it's cause they, their bodies can't move. So if, if you can't move your joint through a certain range of motion, then another joint's going to be locked up. So my back may be killing me, but it could be cause my hip flexors are too tight. Or it could be because my hips are locked up or my shoulders are locked up. I can't twist, so my back, you know, is taking the brunt of the force. So like you said before, exposing those, those weaknesses or exposing those limitations in your movement. Now by doing this move, you're like, oh, I see now why I'm so jammed up, why this hurts. And it's low impact. It's not like you're tossing 400 pounds on someone's back. And that's what's proving <laughs> to you that you're, something's wrong. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's a little more dangerous situation. Exactly. Yeah. And it's your own body. So it's like, listen, you, can, you should be able to move this thing. It's yours, right? Um, so that's, and that's where you start seeing athletes really get those aha moments where like, no wonder my shoulders have been killing me. Like, I can't even hold this position without my elbows bending and, and everything else. So they start seeing it. And it's very low risk of injury because it's just your body. It's not this outside force you're bringing in. Right. And what about with endurance? Like for an endurance athlete, how is this going to benefit them? Because I can't imagine your heart rate gets up too high or maybe I'm wrong. It actually does get up high, which is kind of funny. Oh, um, really? Yeah, but just because it's something you haven't done before. So your your heart's like, you know, starts pumping. And again, your, your CNS is like, what are you doing? And, and the muscles are firing like crazy you haven't used before. But it's great for endurance athletes, especially runners. I have a runner who trains here. She just finished doing a, uh, a century, like a 100-mile run. It took her 27 hours to do this run, which is insane to me. But she did a lot of animal flow because she's so used to that one pattern of, you know, pumping her arms and doing all the stuff. Again, getting her on the ground, learning how to, how to set her core, stabilize her core on the ground, learning how to move her shoulders back instead of just that forward load of running. So getting her almost to do the opposite of what she normally does while she runs strengthens her up. So when she runs, she's able to control her body better. She feels like, I feel a lot stronger up top. I feel like on my posture is better. And then when they increase that, then that decreases the stress of gravity. Because if I'm sitting like this, slunched over, arms rolled forward, and gravity's beating the hell out of me if I'm running like that, yeah, my, everything's going to increase my, my, the force of my knees, the force of my feet went up with plantar fasciitis. I'm stressing that whole superficial back line. Whereas if I stand upright, it's like, oh, my body can bounce and go. So just improving the way her posture was and her strength, she was able to finish that 100-miler. Because she was actually falling because her hip was hurting her all the time. She would actually fall midway through a run because her hip would give out on her. So we had to work on a lot of crawling patterns and stuff like that to strengthen her hip up. Yeah, and speaking of kind of like movement patterns, like if you're running, uh, how far was that? She race? did 100 miles. Yeah. yeah, if you're running 100 miles, that's like a, a terrible movement pattern for 100 miles yeah. that you just keep doing over and over and over yeah. and over again. So, if, yeah, if you can reinforce some better patterns mm -hmm. throughout that, like it's only going to help you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then when you break to like go to the bathroom, maybe get in a position and just, you know, move your body in a certain way. Right. So. Yeah, it gives them, and it teaches them, it gives them autonomy to do it themselves. So is there like a set number of movements and like you kind of like work from those or like is it an ever evolving kind it's of It's an ever thing? evolving thing. Like uh, and, and knowing Mike, again, the creator of it and, and his 
extent he always wants to learn more so it kind of we kind of are on his movement journey as well um but there's no end to it and that's a beautiful part like you can toss anything else in and what some of the stuff we've been doing here and experimenting with it was given like we put bands in someone's hand so maybe you're doing a move and then you have a, a band at the same time so if you're doing like a side kick through, maybe I'm doing a row at the same time. So you can add all these components to it. So you can put a sled on someone's back and have them do some of the moves or crawling patterns with a sled. So you're adding weight to it. So there's endless amounts of stuff you can do with it. With it. It's kind of limited to your own creativity, to be honest with you. Cool. So can, can you build strength by doing this? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the thing with strength is it's funny. I, I uh, teach at a college, and I always tell my college students, like, strength is relative, right? So, like, someone may be able to do a 300-pound hand clean, but they can't do 10 pull-ups. Well, well, who's stronger in that? You know what I mean? So strength is really relative. So while we're going through the ranges of motion, you're developing strength in those ranges of motion. So what that means to me is, like, if I go for an arm tackle and I have strength here and my arm way back here from doing a certain move, like an animal flow move, well, now I'm actually stronger back here. I may not be able to bench as much weight, but I'm still super strong back here, which means I don't dislocate my shoulder, which means I continue to play. I don't have to have my shoulder pop out or my elbow, you know, dislocation or whatever. Right. So by strengthening up those different ranges of motion, you're actually building greater strength or greater range of strength. Um, if you're just talking about bench press and, and, and squats, it may not help those numbers go up. It could, depending on how you load the body up. But... It's, again, strength is just rel- a relative thing. That's interesting. And I also just thought when you were explaining that of, like, when certain kinds of injuries occur, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's generally not, like, when you're engaged with your opponent and you're doing, like, a bench press type motion or you're in a squat position. Like, people don't really get hurt in those positions. You get hurt in those, like, awkward exactly. positions that you're not strong in those because you never train there exactly yeah there's a um there's a course called functional range conditioning uh, frc and they talk a lot about that like prerequisites like if you want to do this stuff and your arm way back here then you should probably train with your arm way back there because you want to strengthen that pattern so it's not you said you hit the nail on the head no one really gets hurt with a bar in their back squatting on, on the field and you don't even do that move on the field you know it's all that weird stuff that happens in between right. and that's where the injuries occur Right. Um, is there like a spiritual aspect to animal flow as well? Yes. Um, there is, I mean, if you want to take that practice to that level, you can. And that's where, like the, again, the, the flow part of it comes in because you can choreograph a flow or you can do what they say, like a freestyle flow where you just put some music on. You can kind of put candles and you can do that whole yoga style stuff. And you can just put your body through these movements patterns. And it can be a, basically a movement meditation if you want it to be. So, again, it's what you want it to be. You can, it can make it like a sport thing where you're doing high-intensity versions of it. You can take it and you can do it a lot slower and actually, like, start feeling your body through those ranges of motion and basically zen out with it. So it's what you want it to be for you. Okay. And were you surprised to see that video of Jordan Reed? You know what? I'm not surprised. I was actually super pumped and everybody like every single person in the animal flow like community was like, like he's reposted like a thousand times and we're not and it's not surprising because it's with the with the increase in people learning how important movement is or uh, movement capacity is these types of things are starting to get bigger you see what conor mcgregor is doing with Edo portal and the movement culture and the stuff the way he's been training um you see the way like a lot of yogis are you're getting bigger and people are getting more away from like the heavier weights and things like that. And I think 
that's there's a place for everything, you know. And I, I'm not saying everyone should stop lifting, go this direction, but I'm not surprised to see it. And a lot of the animal flow coaches are some of the people are working with pro teams, working with high level athletes, working with colleges. So obviously their influence, the athletes are gonna you know fall behind their influence. And so to see it there wasn't a shock, but it was like yes, it's almost like validation because now I'm like, if he can do it. There's no excuse why this high school kid can't do it. You right. Know? So. And if more high school kids see guys on the sidelines doing it, they're going to do it too. Exactly. It's like the cool thing if, <laughs> if the NFL guys are doing it. But, yeah, like I I was such a weights guy like for the longest time. Yeah. And I wouldn't even like think twice about like doing yoga or something like animal flow just because I was like, oh, this looks weird. Like mm-hmm. how is this going to make me stronger or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, looking back – I wish I had implemented stuff like this. I mean, it wasn't really a big thing when I was an athlete. No. <laughs> it's only, like, recently become a thing. But I, more of the athletes listening to this, like, don't be afraid to start implementing some of this stuff because it's probably going to keep you on the field versus the other guys who are just, yeah. like, weight room warriors. Like, they're just going to break themselves down to at some point. Yeah, I remember early on in my, in, like, personal training career, like, someone telling me, like, all those people in yoga need to be out here lifting. And all the people out here lifting need to be in yoga because they need you need what you're weak at. You know, you got to build up your weaknesses so that you don't get exposed. But, you know, everyone, their ego wants to pull them into that. And even the yogis, when you do too much of this, like even with animal flow, I always tell people in my courses that don't overflow. Because if you're just doing this and you're ignoring the weightlifting, ignoring that stuff, now you're just doing one thing and, and injuries can happen. Too much of a bad thing or too much of a good thing could be a bad thing. Right. I'm just thinking about myself right now. Like I'm, I've gotten really into cycling lately. Mm-hmm. And that's like all I want to do now. But like, <laughs> I got to remember, like, yeah, still do the weights. Still yeah, you got to like find the balance, man. And stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's hard for me to. I'm like a <laughs> 100 miles an hour, like, kind of guy, I guess. I just got to redistribute. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of did talk a little bit about your fitness background, but let's talk about like your athletic background. We talked about, you know, how you got into the practice of animal flow, but I don't know if we talked about why you, why it resonated with you so much. Um, I think for me, it was the, the challenge of being a rookie at something again. Like exercise really came easy for me. Like my whole life I was working out. I did judo as a kid. I, I grew up in, in New York, so we were always climbing fences and we were playing basketball, playing baseball, football. So sports was just super, super easy for me. It just came natural. Movement was so natural. And lifting was always easy too. Like, oh, I can, you know, start squatting and lifting. And, and I saw results right away just because of genetically. You have a good genetic build too. Like. I'm sure you well, were never you. like yeah. I'm blushing. <laughs> You're matching your shirt now. Um, <laughs> but there was never like it was never something that came difficult to me. And then when I got into animal flow, I sucked. I was so bad. Like I was terrible at it. I was like, wow, this is something that's really kicking my butt. But I want to be able to do that stuff because it looks so cool. Like when you see some of the levitations and stuff, you're like, oh wow, that's badass. Like I really wanna, I want to be able to do that stuff. And so something just kind of was like, yeah, I want to try this, and I'm really bad at it. So I wanted to just go forward and see what happens. And it taught me so many life lessons by doing something you're terrible at and slowly getting better at it. And then people are like, oh, my God, you're amazing at that. You must have been doing that your whole life. You're like, nah, I started four years ago. You know, and, and dedicating myself to something I was bad at was really what resonated with me, I think. Okay. So would you say that was like the biggest learning lesson that you've kind of gathered from your journey in animal flow yes definitely one of them is that that road to mastery is is one of those things where you keep putting the work in and but you know you're never going to reach it like you know you're never going to be 100 percent great or perfect at it 
but the love of the thing itself, that intrinsic motivation is what keeps you going. Yeah. And people lose that side of that. They want the gold. I want the ring. I want the million-dollar contract. I want, I want the D1 scholarship. And then when you get the thing, you realize it's not what you thought it was. So you have to learn to love the process of just learning the sport. You know, if it's football, I want to love, I just want to be as great as I possibly can, knowing I'm never going to be as great as I think I want to be. You know what I mean? Right. So it's that for me, that learning curve and, and learning to enjoy the process and the journey became such a joy that even if I never get that much better, just the practice of it itself has been enough for me. Yeah, because I was like super into CrossFit for probably like three, four years. Mm-hmm. And it was always that like, that bar that you were trying to reach and you could just never reach it. Right. Like you, you squat 400 pounds. You need to now squat 500 pounds. Right. Like, <laughs> and it's to a point where like, that's how I hurt myself. It was right. just like too much of one thing, trying to reach for something that I even know what I was going for. Like right. you're going to try to go to the CrossFit games, dude. Like, I don't know. I was not nearly anywhere good <laughs> enough to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I was too focused on, yeah, like the end result of like, I didn't even know what it was. Right. Versus like, taking the time in the process and like implementing things like animal flow into my workout routine to give my body like a break from the stuff I was killing it with. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. It's interesting. So I really like the fact that you're an athletic trainer. Mm-hmm. I always tell everyone how much I appreciate athletic trainers cause I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for an athletic trainer. Yeah. And, uh, I'm curious how an athletic trainer could use animal flow in their practice. I know you teach uh, in an athletic training program, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. So what do you teach your students, you know, like in, in with animal flow? Um, so basically what I teach them is movement's movement. And at the end of the day, like if you have someone crawling, like we talked about close kinetic chain, if you have an athlete with an impingement issue in their shoulder, and let's say they're constantly, let's say benching or doing, or overhead athlete throwing baseball, baseball, constantly throwing, throwing, internally rotating the shoulder. Now, if I get you in a closed kinetic chain, meaning hands on the ground, so my, like, let's say push-up position, I can teach you how to corkscrew your shoulders and, and, and pack your scapula back so you can get some space there. So I can take these movements and use them to reteach you how to move your body better in a more efficient manner so you don't continue to hurt yourself. Or like we said, that crab position, well, if an athlete's always throwing and they go this way, now to get you in a crab position, I need to externally rotate your shoulders and get you on the ground, and you have to depress and retract your scapula. Now it's like, wow, that feels great. I'm opening my body up. And at the same time, with athletes, they get very bored doing rehab. Like athletes hate like just doing like ankle pumps and some of these moves. They hate doing that stuff because it's boring. If I get you, if I teach you a flow, here, put these three moves, and I want to see you do them seamlessly together. It's a lot more fun for you. It's challenging. But at the same time, I'm getting the results I want out of you, and you want to do it because, right. oh, that's awesome. I'm going to try this. Yeah, it's not like three sets of ten banded exactly. rows like over at the wall over there. <laughs> it's like a sexier way of like that's getting it. the same job done. I, I always tell uh, when I talk to people about it in, in for athletes, it's like chocolate-covered vegetables. Like you need to eat your vegetables, but you don't want to eat them. But if I cover them in chocolate, you're like, oh, these vegetables aren't that bad. right? So I'm covering your vegetables in chocolate and saying, now go do that. And now it's like, yeah, I want to do my rehab because it's more fun than just doing the three sets of 10. Right. You know? That's cool. Do you still cover games now? Yeah, I do per diem work. I was at high school for um for 10 years, and I recently left two years ago. But I still do per, per diem work for this company called SD Game Day. And, you know, they're hiring me to go to different things, and I love it, man. I love going to, like, a random school and just showing up 
and the kids have no idea who you are. So it's like and they don't know you've done this for years. So a kid, oh my, this thing hurts. I'm like, here, come on the ground, try this out. Oh my God, dude, it worked. <laughs> you know, so it's it's a lot of fun, man. Yeah, not my first rodeo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So how can animal flow be an effective injury prevention tool? Um, again, going back to the movement p- component of it, just getting them to open up joints that they would normally kind of are are overusing in their daily in their daily lives or in their their sport and if coaches added some of this stuff into their warm-ups because I'm, I'm sure you've been on the sidelines you watch kids some of the warm-ups are like yeah go jog two laps and then you're going to play a four-hour game you know some of the warm-ups are like are you serious that was your warm-up um so i think if they implemented some of these dynamic movements into the warm-ups it would get the body primed and ready to actually perform the sport um so just in that light alone or adding it to practice as a recovery because one of my friends and I always talk about everyone wants to train like an athlete, but no one wants to recover like one. So you need to have your recovery stuff in with your lifting and everything else, like your recovery days where it's just mobility, where you're just treating your body well and not just beating the hell out of it 24-7. So I think adding some of these moves maybe into a recovery day or as a warm-up can really help them you know, have their body kind of calm down, kind of relax, and make sure it's not just overused all the time. Okay. And then same thing for an injury recovery tool like mm-hmm. how how can that fit into like a rehab pro how can animal flow fit into a rehab program and i think in in a way this is going to sound weird but like stress is stressful right so any repetitive stress on something let's say like taking a credit card you bend it once and it's like oh it's not going to snap but you keep bending that credit card over eventually it's going to break so with certain athletes' injuries, it's the repetitive stress in that same movement pattern, the same way over and over. Eventually, the body says, you know what, I'm done, and they, they wind up getting injured. So adding these movements, which are very different than what you do in your sport, can give you just a new way to move and then not, not putting stress on those same joints you were putting stress on before. Because um, we have to start thinking of the body as a system. I think everyone thinks of the body's individual parts. It's one giant system all coming together. So we have to start moving the system differently so we don't keep stressing that same part. All right. Um, have you ever got any, like, pushback from some of your athletes saying because it, like, looks weird or, like, they were afraid <laughs> to do it? Yeah, a lot of them, some of them are intimidated by it when they see it. And they're like, oh, that's stupid, that's corny. But once you get them moving, they enjoy it. Because, again, athletes like to move. They like to have fun. Um, so you have to kind of make it fun for them. But there is some pushback. And then pushback from the parents and, and other people may may come, too. But you have to, that's why you have to know your science. Like, you can't, be like, dude, just do this because it works. Like, that's not going to work for a parent. They <laughs> want to know the science behind, like, so what am I working on here? Oh, I want to work on external rotation because he has right. a faulty dysfunctional movement pattern because of X, Y, Z. So, in, in that light, it, you know, it's easy to sell because the science is there. So, it's like you're not just making this up and making your kid roll around on the ground for no reason. Right. I remember when you, were, when you were talking about warm ups, I had a conversation with another athlete that i interviewed marco dabke he he owns a crossfit gym down in uh, pennsylvania like outside mm. of villanova right and we were talking about the halftime warm-up like in, at a football game yeah like mine was ridiculous it was like jumping jacks it was like <laughs> 20 jumping jacks and then we would like spread our legs out almost like you were doing a windmill but right. we would like punch the ground okay <laughs> that, that was our warm-up after halftime like yeah, it's like, eh, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I hope they're still not doing that. But. You, I, dude, I, I've seen, again, 10 years in high school, I've seen some nightmare teams come in like, 
what are they doing? You know, kids sitting around the circle, reaching their toes. One, two, <laughs> three, and counting. I'm like, oh, man, this is like 1970s yeah, warm-ups. We've come a long way since then. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so what do you do outside of your animal flow uh, routine for working out? Um, so one of the things, I, I mean, I still do basic lifts. I still get in my deadlifts. Um, I'm, I like the rings a lot, do a lot of hanging stuff to kind of counterbalance a lot of the, the, put, the pressing for the animal flow. Um, I, I just enjoy learning new things. So here we have stick mobility. So I do a lot of stick mobility stuff, which is What's fun. What's that? That's those orange sticks uh, back there. And, and you can like create a lot of tension with them and it helps work on mobility, but that's a whole nother. Um, they talk about a lot about fascial tensioning with doing that stuff. That's a whole nother conversation. We have steel maces here. We have Indian pins. We have the Nobosu training mat, which is about like stimulating the small nerves on the hands and the feet. So I'm I'm just a geek when it comes to like the fitness stuff, and I want all the coolest, latest things. I'm always checking them out, and I'll play with something for a while and see how I can use it. And then what I'll do is I'll use it for a while, and then I'm like, how can this plug into the way I train my clients now? And I'll find the cool things that I can use it for my clients, whether it be a college athlete, whether it be a someone 70 years old who wants to play golf again injured person so i just take every tool i can get and just have fun with it so that's you know that's i do a lot of that stuff outside of just doing animal flow okay did you ever experience any injuries as an athlete um the only thing i had seriously was in eighth grade playing basketball i fractured my kneecap but i never had like a bad ankle sprain or tear or anything like that um and i think just because i had so much i was doing so many different movements all the time you know because when i played it wasn't just doing one thing all the time it was you know you played all the sports you didn't right. just play one sport i think if i grew up in this era i probably would definitely would have had injuries because you would have focused on yeah what was your sport my sport was basketball okay yeah what's a common injury in basketball now that you see as an athletic trainer that's yeah. like strictly Dude. overuse yeah the achilles thing is big the achilles thing's so big achilles tears yeah it's a lot of or just achilles tendonitis and because all the jumping yeah and again repetitive stress like that whole fascial system's getting just destroyed um so that stuff is something they need to start doing a lot more mobility with because you see these guys are walking on their toes they're like their heels are off the ground you have them squat and they're they're putting all the stress in the front because their heels can't even come down the ground. They have no range of motion. Because their calves are so tight. Yeah, yeah. it's because everything's so tight, and it could be calf, hamstring, it could be the the thoracolumbar fascia, all this stuff. The the whole posterior line you gotta look at. Um, so yeah, that's I see that a lot now. Okay, what uh, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, rooted rehab certification? Yeah, so the um, rooted rehab was something we created after like ten years, uh, me and myself and two other athletic trainers, um, just. Seeing the rehab the way it was taught in college was great, but it was we were learning a lot of stuff in continuing education. So taking Animal Flow, all these different courses, and seeing these movements and being like, wow, we can really take that and bridge the gap between the fitness world and athletic training and kind of marry those two worlds together and make it a little more fun. So we developed this program for athletes where they come in and when they do their rehab, you're looking at soft tissue, we're assessing their body the way it moves, and we really dived into more fascia. So if you look at the whole fascial system instead of just individual muscles, because they teach you that in college and you need that foundation. I always stress that with uh, athletic trainers. You need that foundation in college, insertion, origin, nerve innovation. You have to know that stuff. But when you graduate, you need to start increasing your knowledge on other things. So we basically married all that stuff together and created this system. And it works phenomenally for an athlete because like, hey, I pulled my hamstring, but your rehab program shouldn't look at your ankle, should look at your hip, should look at your shoulders should address the entire system. And now when the athlete goes back, coach is like, wow, 
where, where were you for these last two weeks? Like, he moves better. He's faster. And it's because we trained everything. We didn't just ice and stem the hamstring and stretch the hamstring. We did that stuff. But we also looked at the whole body and said, well, your hamstring hurt because your quads were too tight or because your shoulders were rounded or because your ankle couldn't dorsiflex properly or because, you know, so we find that weakness. And that's why it's called rooted rehab. We find the root cause and we fix the root and then the rest of the body takes care of itself. It's also like maximizing your time away from the field. A hundred percent. Like you're not only getting the injured, you know, ailment better, but you're also like making your whole body better. Exactly it. And yeah. the athlete feels great when they go back and they're like, oh my. And then the best part is they don't come back with that same injury. They may come back with something later on. But if you have a hamstring, you, you stop that whole cycle of like, oh, I've had this hamstring injury my entire season. Like that's, that's, there's a, that should be a red flag. If you keep hurting that same body part, chances are it's not that body part. It's something else in that body part screaming because it's compensating for something else. Right. And that's a message that I try to get across in all my podcasts is like <laughs> pain is like a sign. Exactly. Like it's not something to like try to ignore because that's just how you're going to make it even worse. And this past week I saw that Richard Sherman – well, he like went out of the game early and he mm-hmm. like left the stadium in a walking boot because he had like heel pain. Right. And the year before or last year, he tore his Achilles on, mm. on a, in a Thursday night game and he had Achilles pain going into that game that he tore his Achilles. Wow. So I thought it was a good example of like, hey, this guy like learned his lesson like from last year where he had pain, ignored it, tore his Achilles. Now he has pain in a similar area and he's like, hey, I'm going to. Be smart this Be time smart. around. Yeah, absolutely. Out. Yeah, be out for two weeks as opposed <laughs> to like two two years or maybe your whole life. Uh, just as we wrap up the conversation here, where can people connect with you online and kind of follow uh, your Animal Flow posts and everything like that? Yeah, so they have uh, Animal Flow has a uh, Instagram Animal Flow official. Um, I have my own Instagram FLO underscore Fitness. So Flow underscore Fitness. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on, on Facebook. So we post on Facebook, on Twitter, flow underscore fitness as well. Um, my, f- my website is flowfitnessbh.com. BH stands like better human. So flowfitnessbh.com. Uh, and we have actually, we have an exercise library. I have a vault on there. We call it the Flow Vault that people can be a member of. And it has like over 400 exercises. And some of them are animal flow stuff. Some are just like using some of the newest and latest tools. We have all that stuff available on there as well. Cool. I'll link all that up in the show notes. And the question that I finish all my podcasts with is, what's your definition of toughness? Oof, that's a, <laughs> that is actually a tough question. Um, I think toughness, I would equate toughness with like awareness. And, and you have to know your limitations, but you also have to know what you can push past and what you have to like be vulnerable to as well. So I think a lot of athletes, when it comes to like emotional stuff, it's like just this constant rage and I'm a badass because I can do that. I think knowing your limitations, knowing like, you know what, maybe I need to step back and reassess something or maybe I need to go a different route that may be harder. Um, I think that shows that you're tough. Like if you're, and it sounds cheesy, but like if you're tough enough to cry, like I just feel sad right now. Let me be aware of this moment of what I'm feeling and let me feel this emotion and deal with it rather than trying to like put a mask over everything. So for me, toughness is being able to be in tune with yourself and being aware of what's going on and then being able to build from there. I just watched the Junior Seau 30 for 30. Okay. And for those of you who don't know Junior Seau, he's a football player, in the, played linebacker in the NFL, yeah, played for like 20 years seasons. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, was like a just a badass dude. And he committed suicide like 
two years after he yeah. retired or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And basically the 30 for 30, like, kind of chronicles, like, his whole life and what led up to, you know, his suicide. And after watching it, I'm like, this guy's definition of toughness was his demise. Right. Absolutely. Because he refused to kind of deal with the emotions that he had. He was never a guy that would never cry in front of anyone. Like, I'm a tough guy, you know, doing that like macho persona. And all he probably needed was like some good cries, you know? Or just talk to somebody. Yeah. That simple. But refused to ask for help. And it's sad that he lost a great one. Yeah, exactly. So. I agree. I agree with that definition for for sure. So I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Chris, and teaching us about animal flow. And it's something that I definitely want to research more and implement more into my workout routines, especially if I'm too heavy on the cycling. I got to, you know, add more of that into it. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you, man. And before we go, I definitely want to thank you for sharing your story the way you did ATS and J and, and being vulnerable on stage. And I think that was inspiration to not only us, but like so many people, your story, your message is so powerful man so thank you for being tough enough to share that with everyone thanks it took me a while to get there but i got <laughs> eventually uh, figured it out yeah amen